Superman and Batman are rightly acclaimed the world's greatest heroes. What villain, what disaster, what army, what weapon haven't they overcome? What fear haven't they already faced down? Yet heaven and earth contain demonic forces beyond even their imaginings, as now begins a nightmarish time, wherein a malignant fate and twisted innocence cause the two mighty champions to bow before Satan's children. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Brave and the Bob, and I am joined this time to discuss another zany Haney comic with my good buddy Martin Gray. How are you, Martin? I'm very well, all the better for reading this fine, fine comic book. Mm, you're not kidding. So you had suggested this one to me, and I, initially I didn't have it, so I went out and grabbed it, and I am so glad that uh, I did, because it's uh, one of my uh, all-time favorites all of a sudden here now, just because of the... Uh, the evil nature of it and the craziness of the story. It is bonkers. And it also happens to be sitting inside a hundred page super spectacular. So you get lots of little reprints. Well, I say the reap there were reprints then. Right now this one will be a reprint because it's so old. Back in the seventies this was, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, we're gonna be talking uh, world's finest comics, uh number two twenty five, uh from September, October nineteen seventy four. And uh yeah, this one's crazy and it's got a lead story that <laughs> I just the name alone is just fantastic. Uh Bow before Satan's children. <laughs> so good. Yeah, and it also is it's got chapter titles which are mm-hmm. okay, okay, Bow Before Satan's Children is the first chapter and the main story title, but we also have what do we have? Oh, I've, I've lost them, but I did have them. Anyway, Rip, Rip Hunter, Time Master in Prisoners of 100 Million BC. That's mm-hmm. true. Actually, I was thinking of the, the titles of the story itself in the world's finest team. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah what Bow Before Satan's Children, sorry. Altar of the Misbegotten. And I think you just there had it. Was it, uh, let me see... The secret locked in Castle Wayne. Mm-hmm. Castle Wayne. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is something that I had never even heard of before I read this comic, but they act like, oh yeah, this is like you know, this is like a thing. Uh, maybe it was a thing for Bob Haney, I guess. Yeah, I think I think it was. Good, of course. I, actually, I did I did miss out the part one title. What evil dwells in Innis Tree, which you did try to get out there, and I accidentally spoke over you. And I do apologize. It's just the excitement of this comic. Mm, yeah, you're not kidding. So what do you think of this cover here? I, like you said, this is one of the 100 pagers. So, you know, it has a, a, a first up front there. You know, the biggest panel is uh, for this story, right? Yeah, I mean, I love the cover overall because, it's you know, it's bright yellow, bright blue. I love, I just get excited seeing the 100 pages for only 60 cents, super spectacular trade dress. But that very trade dress means that you do get tiny, tiny pictures. So, the, the picture for this main story, Bow Before Satan's Children, is probably ooh, just over a quarter of the cover. And then you have, you know, insects of Rip Hunter with a dinosaur, the vigilante being shot after a change above a train, a little head of Black Canary, heads of Jimmy Olsen and Robin, more blurbs. Overall, I love it, but the actual illustration by Nick Cardi for the main story doesn't really do much for me. It's just Superman diving down to try and get through a mystical barrier to save Superman from brats. But it's not great. What did you think? Yeah, the kids and Batman, I mean, it, it it's okay. Like, maybe if this would have been the entire cover and had more detail to it, it would look a lot better. But since it's shrunk down there, it's not so great. I'm not sure. 
Yeah, it hasn't hasn't got the impact it should have. Yeah, and then Superman's monologuing to himself, Batman's in trouble, and I can't break through to save him. And like you said, these little maniac kids are ripping apart Batman, his costume, and trying to, like, kill him here, basically. (laughs) So it's, it's pretty wild. It really is. What a story. Mm, my gosh, yeah. So, and you flip that uh, cover open, and it says "World's Finest Contents," and it's you know it tells you about uh, bow before Satan's children. There's a little blurb here, and it says Superman and Batman have battled the strangest supervillains on Earth, but in their latest and greatest adventure, the world's finest heroes must tackle a foe from beyond, or else bow before Satan's children. And <laughs> there's a cool illustration here by uh, Nick Cardi, although. I feel like Superman looks a little off in that illustration. He does, yeah. It looks to me like it might be George Tusker, perhaps. But if you say Nick Cardi, I'm sure you're right. Yeah, it it, it says that <laughs> like in little tiny letters there. Cover Nick. Oh, it says cover Nick Cardi. So maybe, yeah, maybe this interior page is somebody else. Because Superman, he doesn't like his his face. Definitely looks different. Yeah, actually, according to the Grand Comic Database, it's early Pat Project. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you know what? I can see it. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, especially when you look at even Aquaman there, too. I can I can see that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, Rip Hunter. Yeah, it definitely, you know, like you said, it definitely doesn't look like uh, uh, the normal Superman we're used to seeing. But, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, Rip Hunter. Not, what am I saying? Aquaman. Yeah, Rip Hunter. But it does kind of look like Aquaman. <laughs> All blonde look like Aquaman. It's true. Mm-hmm. And like I said, yeah, there's some other crazy stories in this one too. But yeah, we're gonna really focus in on this uh, this first one here. Bow before Satan's children, and this is a uh, story by Zany Bob Haney, and then uh, pencils by Dick Dillon, and inks by Tex Blaisdell. So, uh, all right, well, why don't we jump right into this one if you're ready, my friend, and uh, uh, talk about it. Let's get in there. Synopsis: A strange British man shows up in Bruce Wayne's Gotham office, assaults him and tells him that he's inherited Castle Wayne in Innistree, which sounds Irish, but is most likely in Scotland. The attack on Bruce was to check that he was really a man of Innistree, because only such would be able to break the old wolf cracker hold. Mm. Okay, so Bruce travels to the settlement across the Atlantic after being told by the man, Kilbeck, the estate retainer, that a strange evil is spreading through its only treasure, the children. In Innistree Village, Bruce is stunned to see a gang of rampaging brats mystically heave Kilbeck into bushes far below the castle. They vanish, and later at the castle, Kilbeck's wee son, Seamus, hypnotises Bruce into tossing himself off the parapet. Changing into Batman, he follows Seamus to an old abbey, where the boy makes a speech to the other would-be killer kids. Before Batman can see what's in the hamper they're gathered around, they spot the cape crusader and surround him, nibbling at him like vampires on a victim. Happily, a figure sweeps in as Batman is passing out and rescues him. Later, it's Bruce and Clark sitting in a tree. Superman has heard Bruce had vanished, flown across the Atlantic too, and figured to find him in Innistree. Bruce tells his friend about the creepy kids and notices a gathering of rooks nearby. As Superman flies away to surveil the scene from the air, Batman changes back into Bruce and finds Kilbeck being forced to play bagpipes for the children. Bruce fears that the exertion of playing the pipes while weak will kill him. Seamus does more hocus-pocus, convincing Bruce that he's being choked by invisible snakes. The horrific whirl of the pipes, and that's not magic, that's just bagpipes, brings Superman flying down, but, echoing the cover scene, he's stopped by a magical barrier. Using super smarts, Superman realises that he can fly under the shield perimeter. The Man of Steel rescues Bruce and Kilbeck, putting the latter to rest in bed in the castle, 
He tells Bruce that the demon children plague has spread to other towns, which Bruce says is likely to be the case given that the ritual he saw in the Abbey. Superman flies off to investigate while Bruce decides to stay back and keep watch as master of Wayne Castle. Superman comes across Seamus and expects him to attack, but the brat cowers on seeing a hawk. The doctor who's at the castle to attend to the dying Kilbeck says the boy is showing symptoms of a bird disease. The world's finest friends intuit, which is a kind way of saying pull out of nowhere, that the kids are inhabited by bird spirits. The hamper was filled with evil eggs from the island where all those rooks hang out, and the possessed prepubescent had spread them to other towns. As Kilbeck dies, he passes Batman a key to a room which turns out to be full of hawks. Batman sicks them on the kids. They wanted Kilbeck dead because, as a trainer of hawks, Kilbeck was a threat to them. Meanwhile, Superman smashes the awful earths. The world's greatest detective opines that the bird disease caused the rooks to lay the evil eggs, which, by the way, have very precise markings of kids on them for no discernible reason. But all will be well now, except as the heroes say goodbye to Innisbrook, with Bruce vowing to return one day and take up his duties as Laird, we see, hidden on the statue of an ancestor of Bruce's, two sinister eggs, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> the end, question mark. <laughs> yeah, madness. Mm, so this is one of those stories where it starts out showing you something that happens later in the comic, which sometimes drives me nutty. I just, <laughs> I love the splash page. It looks fantastic. It, it's crazy. The kids look creepy and sinister. They look like little monsters. And, you know, Batman looks like he's, you know, uh, at their mercy. But it's like, ah, oh, well, don't, don't show that right away. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I know, I don't mind because that, I mean, if I had any doubt about reading that story, that splash page would do it. Well, it did. I read it. I bought it at the time. I mean, it's just obscenely good. I mean, Dick Dillon was so great. And mm. I mean, those kids with their dark eyes and the sliver dripping jaws. I mean, credit to the Inca text Blaisdell, who, according to the letters pages, on his first assignment over Dick Dillon in his comic. Previously, it was Vince Coletta, and I don't think somehow, being kind, that the illustration would be quite as good if Vince Coletta had been on it, because he probably would have rubbed out half the kids. <laughs> yeah, I doubt that there'd be this much detail if he would have done it. No, this is brilliant. I mean, you can see why Tex plays that ended up as, an ink, as a teacher at the Cubit School, because he's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this... <laughs> This first scene, though, of Bruce Wayne coming into the office and the two uh, administrative girls are, you know, good morning, good morning. And all of a sudden, <laughs> Bruce gets attacked by this guy. And this is insane. <laughs> He's like a bit of an older gentleman. So Bruce, uh, you know, shrugs him off pretty easily. But he does uh, say that whatever this is, it's crushing the life out of me. And I'm thinking to myself, really? Uh, does this guy have some kind of superpowers we're not aware of or what? No, he has the wolf cracking hold. <laughs> yeah, when I read that, I was like, what? What in the world is this? But he recognizes the guy right away, Morgan Kilbeck. And I'm pretty sure when I look this guy up, I don't think he has any other appearances. No, this is Bob Haney, Billy. He makes them <laughs> up, uses them to play, never heard of again. It's like, do you really think Bruce Wayne ever went back to the castle? He did not. <laughs> that's a story uh, waiting to be written by somebody. I don't know if anybody has the chops these days to write it, but somebody should try. Well, you, you did have that story in the, in the it was in the late eighties when I think I think it was Alan Grant wrote that story where Batman was in in it was a graphic novel Batman was in Scotland doing various things. Can't remember what it's called at the moment, but maybe it was Castle Wayne, but I don't think it was. 
Mm, yeah, this is really good. And I do like, man, on page three, that bottom middle panel there where it shows uh, Morgan Kilbeck. That is a great panel there with uh, Dick Dillon and uh, Blaisdell. Like, wow, what do you think of that panel? There's really good detail in there. It's brilliant. It's very, very intense close-up. I mean, the, the eyes, the way he's looking looking towards us and the, the lovely, lovely blackness of the inks on his nose. No, it's, it's excellent work all around. I mean, Dick Dillon was so underrated, I think. Mm, yeah, and I mean, he's he's my favourite Justice League uh, uh, penciler. Absolutely. I mean, there's nothing on no one he couldn't draw. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he like you said, he kind of tells Bruce like there's some evil afoot, you know, at the Castle Wayne and over here. And like I said, it sounds more like it's in Scotland. <laughs> it really is, but I mean, I'm just guess I'm guessing Scotland because of the fact it's but back that there are Irish pipes, of course, but there's, there's bagpipes and tartan and kilts everywhere, so it must be. But in history, yeah, it does sound sound Irish. But you know, Haney makes no attempt. He doesn't, he doesn't tell us it's in some fantasy land where, of course, anything <laughs> fitting. Little Hamlet, Middle <laughs> Europe, despite being mm-hmm. North Europe. Yeah, and I like how he starts to uh, recount what's uh, the craziness that's been going on here, and he says about how there's uh, witchcraft because there's shingles flying off of roofs against the wind, and there's uh, sorcery because there's a uh, a statue in town of uh, uh, some distant relative of Bruce's uh, with the head chopped off of the statue. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the statue was turned up again at the end with the mysterious markings. But shingles is a terrible condition. Don't want that. <laughs> yeah, what else is going on here? Oh, innocent animals invaded the streets, tearing themselves and anything in their paths. And we have, like, uh, rams here and a deer, it looks like. A couple of deer, it looks like. And then I love this one, too, uh, on page four. It's my favorite panel on that page where it shows. Uh, it says, and finally, industry's minister, the good Dr. Kavan falling to his death when his ancient docile steed suddenly went berserk and it shows a carriage just flying off of like a cliff and the horse like it looks like a supergirl's horse trying to fly here but i'm thinking his ancient horse i didn't realize horses lived that long i didn't realize people went around in horses and carts in the early 70s in ireland billy this is just <laughs> the madness of bob here i mean this was deep into his loony lunatic every issue was spooky teen titans period when you know ghosts and demons everywhere if you're not living in the city you're surrounded by ghosts and demons and plagues and locusts and giant insects it's wonderful mm-hmm. and then he does finally convince uh bruce here to come with him he's like we'll take a jet tonight and uh lickety split they're uh over in the uk somewhere uh some nebulous region here and uh i do like how uh Bruce is like, why are these people like closing their doors and shutters and things like that? And he goes, Kilbeck says that it, may, it means they must be coming. And he goes, stay back, you whelps of hell. <laughs> I love how he talks to them. <laughs> I know, but it's, it's, I must say it's pretty weak parenting. If you know, I was a kid of this age reading this at the time, and this was not the world outside my window. And if me and my pals had tried anything like this, we would have been thwacked soundly on the head by my mother. And end of demon plague mm-hmm. and bruce you know at first here doesn't believe that you know any of these shenanigans are true because he's like it's just a bunch of kids but that one kid kind of gestures at Kilbeck, and he goes flying through the air i don't know maybe 15 20 feet at least right oh yeah that's, that's how he ends up so ill that he ends up you know in the threat of dying due to bagpipes it weakens him so much i just hope he's wearing that under that kilt 
Yeah, I know. We don't get a peek there. He's it's, it's they have him covered up pretty good. But yeah, I wonder what's going on there. <laughs> yeah, with a little boy's hat. Gosh. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Bruce is uh, uh, trying to uh, talk to the children here, and they tell him to get, you know hit the road. They want him out of here, and he's like, "But I'm heir to the castle." And then all of a sudden, just snap of a fingers, they disappear, and he goes to find Kilbeck, who's uh, like you said in rough shape, but he's not dead because he fell on some uh, bushes. <laughs> Pretty strong bushes in Ireland slash Scotland. Would say mm-hmm. the man. Yeah, I do like to on page uh, six there, that middle panel where it shows all those birds coming from the rook, as he calls it. It looks like, you know, some little island right off the coast here. That's a really cool panel. It looks wonderful. I mean, I think Dick Dillon's en- enjoying drawing the landscape here, certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good shot of a, a castle uh, wane there. Uh, uh, yeah, Castle Wayne is what they call it. And uh, then we go inside and meet the, the little guy, Seamus. And he, uh, his father says to him, oh, this is our new master, Mr. Wayne. You know, show him a good welcome. And uh, that's when they put the old guy to bed. And like you said, <laughs> uh, Seamus brings Bruce up here out into, uh, you know, the part of the top of the castle here. And he hypnotizes him with his eyes. And he's got this crazy glowing light. And at first I was just like, what's going on? And he's like, oh, he's trying to hypnotize me. And. He's not trying because one panel later he's hypnotized and he makes him jump off of the side of the castle. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, but luckily he has the acrobatic skills that have saved him many times before and just grabs onto the bottom, underneath the uh, bit of the castle tower, saves himself and changes into Batman. Although I think it looks even cooler in his trench coat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he looks more like a, a private eye there. He in his, yeah. uh, in his outfit. <laughs> And then I do love on page eight too. this panel stood out to me. Uh, Batman, because he's he's changed now, swings around and peeks into a window and sees the kid eating. And Batman monologues to himself, Seamus and eating so much food. Amazing. And there literally is like plates and plates of food like he's eating enough for three or four people here. (laughs) But uh, yes, we're having how long is Batman standing there watching this kid eat? You know, it's like kind of creepy. Yeah. We want Dick to eat that much. Yeah, and then I'm thinking to myself, like, why is this kid eating so much? Is he eating because he's possessed? I don't, I don't get that. <laughs> it never comes back to that, Billy. Does it? It doesn't explain that at all. It's just another spooky thing. Something is just off. Yeah, it's a hanyism. It is rather. the atmosphere is just. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. He's and then he's like you said, he's Seamus kind of has his little like kind of his uh torch there and he uh takes off and he goes to this uh I think it said it's an old abbey, isn't it? The ruins of an old abbey and yeah, uh, that's what Batman, uh, yeah. yeah, Batman's creeping around like a bat in the uh, rafters here and watching their crazy ceremony and he's like, "What's in the basket? What are they up to?" And then Batman, I guess he ate too much because then one of the rafters broke. <laughs> yeah. It's funny though, it looks like they were ahead of their time these kids with some kind of ecological burial going on or something with the hamper. <laughs> yeah, I love how that's a really good panel too there uh, on uh, page nine where uh, Batman hits the deck and he's like, you know, half out of it. And they say an intruder, but he's pretty detailed there. I like how he hits there. And then here come those yeah. psychotic kids with their vampire teeth. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, you see the weight of Batman and the the, the, pill, the pillar, the, the, uh, the beam about to fall on him. It looks brilliant. Mm-hmm. And then just as he's about to become a snack for uh, this like half dozen kids here, the next instant you see a hand grab his cape 
And then he goes flying out the window. And by the drawing here on this page, you can't tell who it is or what's going on. Now, obviously, if it's World's Finest, you could probably figure it out. But at that point, you didn't really know what was going on. And then even when you turn to page 11, they're up in the tree there. And they still haven't you know, given it away that it's uh, Superman yet. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's probably just for the sake of just four panels worth of mystery. But it looks brilliant again. And just Superman messing with his friend, I think. Wake up and think I'm a bat. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Batman finally comes to his senses in here, and he's like, "How in the blazes?" Which again, that's one of my favorite uh, exclamations. How in blazes did you get here? And Superman, I love his rationing here. He says, "Your secretary said you suddenly took a plane with an oddball sporting a kilt. She said you left no word where you'd gone." And I'm thinking, but first of all, why were you talking to his secretary, Superman? <laughs> Second of all, it wasn't a kilt. He was wearing trues. <laughs> That's true. Oh, no, yeah. I'm, 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 no, yeah. no. He had, he just had slacks on, like a pair of pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. And then he says, on your desk, I found you'd written the word industry. I came here thinking you were probably vacationing. So again, he went there because he was going to join him for his vacation, I guess. Right. Must have been, yeah. Well, nothing worrying there. Maybe you remember that time that Batman went to Ireland previously, and I think in the Bob Haney story, where he teamed up with that mystery. That was in Ireland, I think, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> and then he said he's observed some weird goings on, and he said about the kids, they attacked me, and this and that. And he's like, those kids must be in some strange cult. So the two of them are like, you know, don't worry, we're going to figure this out. But I love how immediately it's they go full-on uh, Alfred Hitchcock here with these birds in these trees. Oh, he's Bob pointing in, he's just throwing in everything, including the kitchen sink. And I suppose this is about the time in the 70s when children were having a, demonic children were having a moment in film, were they with possessed kids and the exorcist and coming up towards Audrey Rose and all sorts of spooky kids. Don't trust the kids. Yeah, the omen and all that kind of stuff. But I do like that panel on page 12 as well. I'll call that one out where uh, Batman is. He's got his little flashlight there and he flashes it up, you know, puts it on the, the tree. And it hasn't lit up just the uh, the birds on the tree and everything else is black there. Yeah, you know, I just it's bizarre the way the, the way the birds come into the end the end of the story and how it's all that business <laughs> with eggs. I mean, we'll get to that, but it's just I thought it was just you know another spooky image, but it's very significant. Yeah, yeah, really. And then they're walking away. It says shortly, and they're walking away, and there's like you know dozens of birds in a tree right behind them as well, and. They uh, agree to uh, kind of split up to get, uh, you know, uh, the, to figure out what's going on here. And Superman says, uh, I'll take an aerial survey of the area to see if I can uncover anything. And uh, Batman goes back to see uh, uh, Morgan Kilbeck and he's gone. And he's like, whoever nabbed Morgan must have gone this way. I don't know why they must have gone that way. If those are tracks on the ground there or what that is. He's the detective. He knows these things. <laughs> yeah, so... What's that sound? And they're torturing him and like you said, making him play the bagpipes. And again, this is totally absurd. And he's like, Morgan Kilbeck being made to play his bagpipes at full blast. And he's like, Good God, playing those bagpipes is exhausting under normal conditions. But Kilbeck's been injured and it looks like he's been playing for hours. This will kill him if he keeps it up. Bruce is such a drama queen, honestly. If, if you're a regular bagpipe player, you've, you've got the lung capacity to go for quite a while. 
Yeah, I kind of felt like I should have looked that up. Has anyone ever died from playing the bagpipes? If there was even one person, I would be like, all right, there's there's a precedent for it, but I kind of doubt it. Not just from hearing the bagpipes. <laughs> and then, yeah, Bruce, stop, you little devils. <laughs> I love it. And then, like you said, he's uh, they kind of make him uh, think he's being uh, attacked by a bunch of snakes and that they're choking him. <laughs> well, there's nothing these kids can't do. Mm-hmm. I love them. And then uh, we get to part three, which, like you said, is the secret locked in Castle Wayne. And uh, here's Superman flying around and he's like, oh, I'll stop this. And they're like, yeah, no, you won't. And they have this crazy, like, you know, invisible bubble around themselves and uh, Morgan Kilbeck. So Superman can't, you know, get to them. And uh, again, we know magic is one of his weaknesses, but uh, he outsmarts them and uh, burrows underground and comes up from underneath them to grab uh, Bruce and uh, Morgan Kilbeck here, right? He really is the best Superman. It seems to have gotten daylight as well in between chapters. Yeah, that was a long night. I guess it took it took Batman and Superman all night to find them. Yeah, but, he, but again, I love, I love the panel at the bottom of page fourteen where Superman's collecting Morgan Kilbeck and Bruce, and you've got you know three of the demonic kids in the background like coming towards like zombies with their faces all dark. It's very effective. Yeah, very very creepy. And then you get a little shot of the bagpipes there on the left falling down. <laughs> destruction. <laughs> but yeah, he. Like- uh, Go ahead. Do you like bagpipes? Um, they're okay, but I couldn't listen to them constantly. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like once every you know blue moon, sure, no problem for a little bit, but yeah. not more than like a few minutes every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, we we hear a little too much of them over here. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, you don't hear them over here except on St. Patty's Day. That's about it. <laughs> oh, I was in Canada the other week. They were everywhere. It's bizarre. You can't get away from them. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> oh, man, that's wild. But uh, yeah, so they put uh, Kilbeck to bed because uh, he's in, in big, bad shape. They even say he's dying. And Superman says, because of those brats, the little monsters. <laughs> he looks like he has a mullet, too. <laughs> Very strange, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And then I like, think oh. Superman has curlier, wavier hair than usual in this one, which helps to you know make him a bit more distinct from Bruce. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's why they did it instead of having the same hair. So they'd kind of because a lot of the time in this, you know, you're getting a lot of headshots or Bruce, you know, in, you know, street clothes. So maybe that's why they did that. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's interesting. So they're like, oh, we got to put a stop to this because it's spreading. And I'm thinking, how many kids are in this town? It already looked like it had them all hypnotized, but maybe not. So, uh, you know, they try to figure this out. And <laughs> I like how, uh, again, Batman blazes. Somehow, between midnight and dawn, the youth of industry infected the other towns. But how? And he's like, I just remembered, at the old abbey, Seamus said that whatever was in that basket on the altar had to be placed by dawn. And Superman, that could be the answer, but only that boy can tell for sure. So Superman just seeks him out. Yeah. Yeah, he just seeks him out and (laughs) snatches him. And he's just like, what's going on here? You know, and the kid just sits there with his hands in his face like like he's crying. Well, birds are scary. Yeah, Hawk kind of frightened him and swooped in at him. And I guess that's how eventually they figure things out here. (laughs) But yeah, Bruce starts shaking the crap out of the kid. Tell us, or I'll. And then Superman says, hold it, Bruce. Can't you see he's sick, glowing with fever? So then they put Seamus to bed here because they think he's in bad shape, right? Yeah, probably the bed where his father's just died. 
Mm-hmm. And then here's where they call in this uh, doctor who just happens to be an amateur ornithologist. And the boy has all the symptoms of a rare sickness only contracted by birds. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. So I did want to say here on page 17, uh, I mean, story page 17. Boy, Batman looks kind of weird in that panel. Does he not in the middle right panel there? With the curly bat ears, yeah. Very odd. Yeah, he looks really strange the way he's drawn. I don't know what it is. Like his nose is sticking out as well without the little part of the cowl coming over his nose and all. Yeah, it looks bizarre. It really is. He's, he's looking better in the next panel. But I wonder whether that's, I don't know, whether originally Dick Dillon drew Bruce Wayne by mistake and someone's patched, put a patch over him. I don't know. Scared. Yeah, that one's... Looks very, very different because Bruce and Batman look great in all the other uh, uh, panels. But that one just stood out to me. I was like, what happened here? It almost looks like it was just, I don't know, maybe <laughs> maybe it didn't get inked or something too well. And Blaisdell was in a hurry. It do look wonky as heck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, though, the next two panels, he looks great. He looks back to being exactly like Batman. And they say about a an infectious power must emanate from the eggs. And he's, but where did the eggs come from? And that's when uh, they're like, oh, offshore island, the rook. And he's like, I spotted some on the ledges. And he's like, okay, they have strange markings on them too. And I'm like, mm, okay, that's a little convenient. But again, that's kind of a, a Bob Haney thing there, right? It would have made sense, Billy, if it actually shows the panel. I even had Superman thinking back here. We don't, because we don't see the strange markings before this, do we? No, uh-uh. nope. You don't see any eggs, any markings, nothing. All at this point you saw was the birds and then that, you know, uh, a basket or whatever that they had them in. That's all you saw at this point. Yeah, yeah. Editing fail. Who's this? It's not. Is it? Is the Murray Bolton off comic rather than a Julius Schwartz? Yes, it's Murray Bolton <laughs> or Levitz. Mm-hmm. And then the page eighteen what? there. I like that. Okay. Oh, no, I'm just saying Julius yeah. Schwartz would have that too. Oh yeah, yeah. And then I love that panel on page eighteen with the two of them with this giant book open, and they're both looking at it and reading it. <laughs> Yeah, that was like the sort of thing you'd have at the top of a letters page. Superman and Batman going through their fan mail. Mm, yeah, and Batman says, this old book on local bird life. Here's the entry about those blackbirds. Superman says, they're eggs. They're plain white. Any markings are an unnatural variation. So Batman's like, Superman, go destroy those eggs. <laughs> so I'm on my way. And he goes to smash up the eggs, but Batman's in some trouble here. <laughs> I'm on my way to smash up all the evil eggs. Aha, aha. Sorry, proclaimers moment. But yes, yes, about these kids coming across the bridge look excellent. All the possessed mm -hmm. girls together coming for Batman. Yeah, it looks like there's a couple dozen of them. And he's like, uh, they must have come to rescue Seamus, their leader, against the weird powers. What can I do? I'm helpless. And I'm thinking, um, you have a whole utility belt and you're really smart. You're not helpless, yeah. Batman. You're Batman. And then in the final panel, is he is called Bendy again. Yeah, look at that. It's crazy. Yeah, this is where uh, Morgan Kilbeck gives him the key and says, this key, that door yonder, quickly, man. It's the only hope. And then Batman with his bendy ears, he he's dead. And there's the key hanging in his hand yet. <laughs> dear, dear, dear. Goodbye, Morgan Kilbeck. We hardly knew you. No more appearances for him. Oh, maybe Blackest Night. Maybe he's, a, he's a black leader. <laughs> oh, the kids give us back our leader or we shall tear down every stone. And the one little girl, look up there. And Batman 
Somehow he unlocked the door, and it looks like he's almost controlling these birds. Because if you unlocked the door and they were in that door, they would just fly away. But they didn't just fly away. Batman somehow like uh, got them to the top of the uh, uh, castle here and points down at the kids and says, go. And they attack the kids. Billy, Billy, he's he's a man of ministry and he's the laird of Castle Wayne. Of course he can do that. Yeah. Atop the parapet of Castle Wayne, a bizarre falconer gives a command. <laughs> go! Falconer. <laughs> this is great. And the kids look scared. They don't look, you know, like ominous and evil anymore. They just look like a scared bunch of little kids. And yeah, the birds beat those creepy eyes that you got in those 1970s paintings that were the ones that were really popular of the, the little urchin kids with the huge, stupid eyes. <laughs> yeah, their eyes do look very big and exaggerated. <laughs> yeah. At this point, I'm thinking, are these hawks going to kill these kids? Are these falcons? They're going to kill them or what? Hopefully, brats. Yeah. <laughs> Batman standing on top of the, uh, the castle. It worked. Kilbeck's key opened the door to a room of trained hunting hawks. They must have been his hobby, and he's standing there with his hands on his hips. <laughs> I'm not impressed, though. If, if you care for your hunting hawks, you're not going to keep them in a little room in a castle. It's, it's a bit unfair. Yeah, locking up birds. That's not nice. And then, meanwhile, no. ab above the wild seas. <laughs> That's a brilliant pitch, though, with the, the, the broken, strangely marked eggs in the foreground. We finally get to see them. Superman looking like he's actually flown out of an egg. Mm-hmm. Well, that does it. I've smashed all those marked eggs, both here on the Rook and on the mainland. And I thought, could you just use your heat vision? But uh, maybe that would have cooked them. He would have scrambled eggs or something, and he would smash <laughs> them. Yeah. Scrambled demon eggs. <laughs> and then uh, we see the, the funeral of Morgan Kilbeck, and it's just a bunch of kids, it looks like. Oh, maybe there's one adult there in the background. Yes, looks to be, but... There's a boy here ripe for being taken home to be a new ward for Bruce. An orphan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and hey, he's he's got that one thing they all need, dead parents. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> McRobin. Uh-huh. And then how about on that last page, too? What's up with uh, the way Superman, he looks a little uh, sheepish there in that uh, bottom, uh, the middle panel on the left there. He kind of has a weird look on his face. He really does. It looks like he's sort of shrinking and getting younger at the same time strange business yeah yeah he almost looks a little scared but he has the little flip on his hair there that uh you know christopher reeve would have then right <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's anticipating it by a few years <laughs> hmm, but the only thing that hatched was evil in his own soul once possessed he infected the other youngsters with more eggs the rare bird disease is what made the blackbills lay such deadly eggs in the first place. So this was just a natural phenomena. Birds well, gay had a disease and that made kids be possessed. What? It's just nonsense. But <laughs> then again, you, you know, you've, there's still more, like I say, in the final panel, we see, you know, the spooky epilogue. There's more, more of these demonic eggs just laying in the back of the hat on the restored head of the statue that had been ripped off before by the kids it's just weird set, setting up a sequel it's not yeah. too yeah it's crazy because i'm thinking to myself okay i'm assuming superman put the head of the statue back on and like used his heat vision to kind of like melt it or seal it back on there or whatever so how did those eggs get there goodness knows goodness knows. well I, I looked at a future letter column billy and one reader's writing in about the 
nonsense. I mean, obviously the readers are quite inured to Bob Haney's zaniness, but this one particularly did have, you know, that the loose ends about the eggs. And the, the editor, sorry, the reader writes, Haney's written many classics, but this isn't one of them. Then those eggs, the product of a rare bird disease, why drawings of little people on them? And in brackets, those were alien figures, Ed. That's all you get. Alien figures on the air. Not mentioning the story at all. Oh my gosh. How crazy is that? I love it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But, but what do you think overall, Billy? Oh, I love it because it's so crazy. You know, like Haney, when you read his stories, it, there are like sometimes there's a dozen times throughout the story even if it's a, a full story. I mean, this one, this one was, what, 20 pages? So you figure it's part of this 100-pager, but for a while there, a lot of the comics were only 17, 18 pages. Yeah, so this yeah. is basically like a full story, and sometimes there'll be a dozen times I just chuckle or shake my head when I read something, but inevitably, by the time I get to the end, I just laugh, and I had a good time. I was really entertained by it because I think no matter how crazy he was with his comics, they were fun. They they are always fun. They were they were. I mean, they, as you say, they, you know, didn't make a lick of sense from page to page. But you you pulled you pulled along like a roller coaster of madness, and it's got it's it's got so many fun elements. Like you know, the unusual Lacal haunted kids, masses of melodrama, old Scottish fighting techniques, a warning about bagpipes. It's different to what you normally get in a DC comic. I loved it. Yeah, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, no offense to any of the other things in the book, but I I thought it was way far and away the best thing in it. I mean, the, the Rip Hunter story is okay. I like dinosaurs, so that's really cool. You know, there's a lot of dinosaur action in that one, so that's pretty cool too. But, you know, story-wise, it, it just isn't that great. It's not as fun as this one is. And the, I did enjoy, what did you think of the <laughs> Superman and Batman Masters of Disguise? And it shows all these shots of them throughout you know so many comics you know changing costumes there's one where superman's an old man and he's got this giant head like he has a giant brain <laughs> what about that that was crazy really not the best filler feature ever is it there's way but like superman and batman commenting to one another i mean mm -hmm. the best thing about it is the word and with the two little decorative marks between superman and batman and masters <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I remember some of the summer stories that's mentioned, but it's just it's just random. But someone's taking the trouble to do some research here, and the production department's done some paste up. It's and again, I I, I was reading this as a little kid. They made me curious to read the stories that I had that I hadn't read here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did recognize the when he looks like an old guy and the giant brain one. I don't know if that's because I've seen that image or because I have that or in a reprint or something like that. But because I, I do have a couple of older Superman like annuals where it was like completely insane. There's like a lion yeah. Superman and stuff. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, it's a very very famous cover. I'm pretty sure it was, I think the cover was in the on one of the, I mean, in fact that inset I think it's from one of the giant eighty page giants. I think. Yeah, also, that's probably also also the rocking chair Superman. I, I think so. I'll, I'll do some research, but I think that's where they've both been taken from. Yeah, I think, like I said, I don't have many of those, and the couple that I do have are in really, really bad shape because, you know, in good shape, they're an extraordinary amount of money, but I did grab a couple that were in rough shape because a lot of it was either Kurt Schaffenberger or um, Kurt Swan, guys that I absolutely love, especially their Superman stuff. So anytime I see that, I'm grabbing it.
Oh God, yeah, there's just so good. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't care about the condition. I just, I would just take them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, like, uh, there's a vigilante story in here, and like you said, these are all reprints from. Gosh, I think they're either late golden or very early silver age, right? I think so. Yeah, probably fifties for the vigilante. It's just yeah. all entertaining stories. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Now, the Black Canary story, that was one that jumped out at me a little bit because I don't know who the artist is for that one, but she looked very different. It almost reminded me of an artist, and I can't remember his name, that did more like uh, uh, newspaper strips. Or maybe that's who this guy was trying to like uh, ape. But it's really decent artwork, and it does look like a, a Sunday uh, comic strip. It's, a, it's actually a very famous artist from for DC Comics who you would know. You know his name. Let's see if there's a panel where I can, where we can see where it looks like, where he's looking like who he is. I'm still just rolling up the past the vigilante, which is a very long story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, one once you know, you'll see it. It's, it's Carmine Infantino inked by Frank Gaiswar. Okay. Oh, okay. Giacoya, something like that. Oh, yeah, 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 Giacoya, yeah. But I, I read this story, you know, I just really enjoyed it. It's just a, a, a mad cult coming to Black Canary's flower shop and kidnapping Larry Lance. It's very entertaining. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then uh, finally here, Superman and Batman, and it's uh, the Olsen-Robin team versus the Superman-Batman team. And this <laughs> this splash page is insane. There are these giant statues of Jimmy Olsen and Robin and it says in memoriam, and there's like a, an eternal flame in the middle of it. It almost looks like something you'd see in you know, Rome or something. And yeah, yeah. at the bottom, there's Batman and Superman looking over their graves. And I, I have to question, all you did is like, you know, dig like a foot deep and put their corpse in and throw a bunch of rocks on top. It looks like a Flintstone burial. Yeah, I think that the covers, I've got that one. I, had a, I inherited it from a neighbor. And I think on the cover, I think it's got sort of Superman and Batman weeping at the graves as Jimmy Olsen and Robin are laughing at them from behind the grave, or it's Superman and Batman making them dig their graves. Anyways, one or the other. That's yeah. Sort of... yeah, it's fantastic. It says the script is by Edmund Hamilton, who sounds vaguely familiar to me, but I'm not real familiar with that guy. Oh, he was, he was, a, he was a golden age pulp writer, and he wrote, went on to write, big friend of Jimmy Schwartz, so he went on to write hmm. loads of Superman family tales and, and Legion of Superheroes tales. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, he wrote a hell of a lot of brilliant DC comic stories. Yeah, and then the art is Kurt Swan and George Klein, which I absolutely love. <laughs> oh, you, you, can't, you can't beat Klein as Link once Kurt Swan. Yeah. Really, it'll work. Yeah, really, again, again, insane story. And it's all over the place with gorillas and observatory and Batman. A tight-roping bird. Yeah. Tight-roping walking bird. Sorry. It's late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I do love it. So, yeah, definitely great artwork in that one and just such insane stories, too. So, yeah, you got to read that one, too. So, overall, what a fun book. You know, I mean, thank you for uh, recommending this one for the Haney story, but everything else that was in it as well. Oh, it was wonderful. I mean, I think that was when I bought it, I think it was 12 and a half pence, which wasn't a lot of money then. Less money now, obviously. And it was <laughs> a brilliantly long read, really, really excellent fun. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, my friend. Well, uh, that's going to wrap us up. So, if anybody's looking to find you, they can uh, seek you out on Twitter and your blog, correct? Yeah, blog is called Too Dangerous for a Girl Reviews of Comic Books. Uh, Twitter, uh, 
at Mark Gray. And I would like to apologise because I had a coughed a few times, but I do actually have a mysterious bird illness. <laughs> yeah, I think you were near some of those weird eggs. <laughs> I was. I mean, I, I kept reaching for the mute button, then the cough came too quickly. So I do apologise, guys. <laughs> oh, it's all good, man. You just yeah, stay away from those crazy eggs when you and uh, Steve go to the market. Do not buy any weird eggs. Fish <laughs> really now. <laughs> all right, my friend. Well, once again, thank you for joining me and recommending this comic, man. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate you being on, Mark. Oh, thank you for having me. Look forward to more fun in the future. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's at least one other world's finest I know. I have your name on around here somewhere. That's a, a, another Haney that's uh, yeah, absolutely bizarre and crazy. So we'll we'll definitely talk that one and maybe uh, at least one at least Brave and the Bold I have your name on as well. So you'll, you will be back. <laughs> oh, thank you, Billy. Uh, you're welcome, sir. Uh, all right, I'm going to be back and wrap everything up in a second. All right, everybody, that wraps up this episode. Once again, I want to thank Mark for being on the show. Uh, really love recording with Mark. Great guy. Uh, tons of comic book knowledge and just a, a joy to have on. L- lots of fun. Really, really fun guy. So definitely check out his blog. You know, give him a follow on Twitter and uh, interact with him. He loves talking about comics, uh, new and old. And uh, he's very honest. He, he, he gives you his opinion. He's very honest how he feels about comics. And that's uh, starting to become a, a rare thing, an honest opinion. <laughs> so definitely give him a try. Uh, uh, follow on Twitter and look up his blog, uh, Too Dangerous for a Girl, it's called. And it's uh, dangermark.blog. So definitely uh, follow Mart out there on uh, the social medias. That's going to be it for this time. Catch you next week. <laughs>